I'm Anne Berlin, and this is SEO in 2024. And what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? My tip is that we've reached the point of declining relevance for schema. Boom, boom, boom. They've reached the the, the plateau, um, as you say as well. So what does that mean? And I guess what structured data will still be essential in 2024? So... From my vantage point, the state of natural language processing means that structured data is no longer serving a critical role in training search engines what your content is about. So that our content no longer needs to be optimized for machine consumption through the addition of specific schema markup. Uh, I think we've reached the end of the training period when that was value add. I take as evidence for this the fact that Google Merchant Center feed is slated to become less robust because Google has said, we can find what we need to generate product-rich results directly from your page. You no longer have to structure this for us in the way that you have been previously. It's a bit scary, isn't it, that um, when you think back in it, actually, all SEOs were doing was training data, how to interpret their content. And now they've got enough data, they can do it by themselves. Oh, and I used to be the absolute number one advocate for structured data and schema implementation. And now I'm seeing that in many instances, it is difficult to maintain. It is poorly optimized and it is brittle. And so the return on investment for most applications of schema is just not there anymore, unless you're in the position to do a case study worthy, best practiced, advanced implementation of schema, I wouldn't embark on the project now. Got you. Okay. But I mean, would it be a different scenario for different types of websites? I mean, classic examples of using schema are, for example, for recipe websites. Would sites like that still be recommended to use it? I think that the argument that I would expect against my tip is that there are still some rich results worth fighting for, whether it's a recipe-rich result or a, a product-rich result, review schema, et cetera. I think we just have to look in the recent rearview mirror to the revocation of the how-to and FAQ-rich results to say that this is potentially a moving target. And that the time is better spent optimizing our content for users. And in terms of the structured data that you would definitely recommend keeping, I would imagine that would possibly be the structured data around what your company is uh, and uh, the history behind your, your, your company and perhaps thought leaders within the company as well. So there's a lot of buzz right now about semantic SEO and semantic markup. And again, I am really playing the skeptic here, the cynic, who says very often the way that semantic markup is being prepared is you're putting your content into some sort of text analysis uh, software and then allowing it to tell you what is the main entity of the page, right? So if... External NLP can already tell you what your article's about. Adding that as structured data doesn't add any value. 
The other way that this type of semantic schema is being generated is by individual editors who author content for a site. In most cases, these teams are not deeply trained on taxonomy for machine learning. And so maybe applying a taxonomy to articles in an inconsistent way that doesn't necessarily denote the core topic, but may be indicating this subject matter is mentioned. So I think that human-generated taxonomy for semantic structured data is flawed, and machine-generated is something that can already be interpreted. So you know, I'll go back to saying, if you can't do best-in-class, I don't know how much it's helping. And I'm sure that any AI readers of this particular piece of content will be aware because of the semantic relevance that NLP is natural language processing as opposed to neuro-linguistic programming. Thank you for that. Yeah, I would stumble over it. So it's much easier to use the acronym. But yeah, I'm talking about the ability of machine learning to uh, understand what the content of a page is. And uh, I think your point is is well taken that there is a value to doing explicit entity SEO using structured data. I just haven't seen it done in a way that it's worth the effort. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And in terms of the way that search engines are evolving to take into consideration things like natural language processing, Are there any specific page structures, content structures that you recommend in order to make your content easier to digest by these machines? I am a big fan of the return to fundamentals. I think we've talked about that before. So effective use of uh, well-nested header tags, readable paragraphs, which are informed by keyword research and it seems almost like these fundamentals get neglected but that is exactly what works right so if we think about structuring a page to to be an award-winning high school essay because it is has uh, been well outlined and the topics and subtopics have been nested in a way that you can scan it and understand the argument. That's going to help with the interpretation of the subject matter as well as ease of consumption for a real user. Now, we're talking about making your content more easily understood by AI, but I have to ask your opinion of the use of AI in the generation of content as well. So where, where do you lie on that? I'm in a position where I'm getting asked pretty regularly, hey, should we do this? And large enterprises that are trying to tackle content deficits at scale, like um, having unique product descriptions, having unique and differentiated product metadata, and wanting to try and solve for that problem by using some external a content generator, but knowing that it has to be evaluated in some way by a human because there could be you know, inaccuracies introduced. 
And so I think I don't have an objection to using AI for content generation. Uh, the the hurdle there is going to be organizing teams as content fact checkers at scale. And is that a role that you think will continue to be a requirement? Or do you think that AI will simply get too good within two years that that role is not going to be required uh, relatively soon? Such a fascinating thing. And that's why I wanted to pick this topic, because I love that there are tactics in our industry that used to be considered table stakes that may be completely obsolete come next year. And it's a moving target, that's for sure as well. But as you say, there are certain core good areas of practice, such as um, marking up your content well with decent, uh, with um, different types of header tags and um, uh, writing so that a, a, a human will engage with your content as a, as a piece of AI. That certainly doesn't seem to be going away anywhere. What about different types of content? You hear preferences for maybe shorter form video or perhaps even audio uh, podcasts or other forms of content. Should you be trying to publish multiple forms of content on your page as well? You're making me think about the Facebook-led original push towards video that ultimately resulted in a lot of teams pivoting to create in a format that they didn't have the right expertise for or drew away from other areas where they could have been growing because of the influence of these tech behemoths on our access to an audience. I do consume a lot of short-form video every day, (laughs) so uh, I know that that is for sure an addictive way to get information. I don't think that every brand has the right team in place to really compete in that space. And I think that the risk in moving into multimedia when you are not currently equipped to do, you know, that kind of new format content is that you're spreading your resources thinner and thinner instead of applying the discipline of focusing against the buffeting headwinds to put long-term focus on areas where you know you can differentiate and grow. That's great advice there, because it's always tempting to um, cling on to the next bright, shiny thing and um, test that out. Um, certainly when you're a marketer starting out, you just uh, just want to grab the, the next opportunity to demonstrate your skill set and um, lay your hat on the passion that you're, you're feeling about the, the, the next opportunity, but not necessarily the right thing. Um, just one follow-up question, actually, about your own personal experience with short-form short video. Would you say that um, short form video could be appropriate for every type of content um, or is it only a certain stage of the marketing funnel? Is it only where you're perhaps browsing through video, just looking to discover something and you're not necessarily actively searching for a specific thing? I've been paying a lot of attention to this lately because I am in one of those few phases in life where we do a large burst of new consumption. I just bought a home. And so I have been using short form video to learn how to do some of my critical home repair projects. And I feel like that is very bottom of the funnel. 
Because if I'm learning how to repair a crack in my driveway, I'm going to need a product to do that. So, so what platform are you using and how are you actually ensuring that you're watching the content that, that is useful to you? You're talking about credibility? Yeah, well, I'm talking about your, just your example there about uh, buying a new home. So um, you've bought a new home, you're maybe researching for content in relation to buying new items for the home, for example. How do you ensure that you're making good use of your time by watching the right videos? And what, what, what platform are you using to watch those videos on? Well, I will freely admit that I cannot manage my time loss on TikTok. So I am a Reels user. and. I also am a YouTube user, and I tend to not like to have targeted ads. However, in this case, because of the the change in address form, because of the new charges on my credit card, the algorithm knows that I am a new homeowner and has been seeking me out uh, rather than me necessarily having to go and say, okay, well, what do I need to know to to tackle the likely challenges of a first-time homeowner. So I've been riding that wave of suggested content and finding that it is um, both engaging and educational. And of course, I am always a big fan of word of mouth. So speaking to local experts never lets me down. Having an inquisitive mind and um, asking the people who um, have you know, inspected my home or have come to do small projects. Where do you get your advice? Who do you trust? And then using that to explicitly seek out those content creators so that I can learn how to do projects on my own safely and what products I'm going to need to accomplish them. So it's a bit of a, a combination of both push marketing and pull marketing to find the credible sources of short form video content that I'm finding useful. But back to your original question, are there some areas of the funnel where short form video content isn't relevant? I don't think that's the case. I think that there is a lot of transactional intent. If Vanessa was struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024? I think this is a bit of a backwards one since my tip is to stop doing something. But I'll answer it like this. Where do I think that elite SEOs should be focusing in 2024? They should be doing deeply researched competitor benchmarking. They should be strategic visioning and setting up that long-term growth plan that we can stick to despite the, those buffeting winds of change. And they should be using experimentation to gather data to support their bold, big moves. And Berlin is Senior Technical SEO Analyst at Loomer. You can find her over at loomer.io. And thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thanks for having me. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com. <laughs>